Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. As we continue to roll on here, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Got a lot of feedback. Twitter. (laughs) Salmon Ash text line phone line believe me we appreciate it all good bag and indifferent doesn't matter we appreciate it all adam hills joined us from the las vegas review journal we had john mcclain from the houston chronicle we've also heard from mike k lead reporter from pro football network and again i've had a lot of good feedback from you definitely appreciate it 702-365-9200 salmon ash text line 69 187 keyword R&R and and let it just be known Raider Nation that we do our very best to interact with you when you tweet at us we try to respond immediately so you know that we're paying attention when you text us we try to get the text on the show as quickly as possible is it self-satisfying for everybody no but we do the best we can just gonna leave it at that I had a really good call to close out our number two talking about the national media like Colin Cowherd talking about the Raiders finishing last well, that happens. Well, how about well, we've talked about Adam Rank. As uh, a matter of fact, Demond, do you have that sound? Do you have Adam Rank sound? Uh, no, I do not. Not 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 presently on hand. Oh, okay. Uh, how about Adam Shine? Yes, I do. All right, let's let's hear from Adam Shine. He actually was uh, talking on his show on uh, SiriusXM and also CBS Sports, and he was talking about the Raiders and Derek Carr, and he had some pretty pretty uh pretty good thoughts on him. Here it is. Check it out. The Las Vegas Raiders also kicked off training camp for their rookies, but remember, they didn't have a first-round pick because, you know, they made the Devontae Adams trade in the offseason. So, with Devontae Adams in town, can the Raiders win the loaded AFC West? Let's really, really talk this one out. The answer to the question is yes. Now, I am not planning on picking the Raiders. My plan is to pick the Chargers. But I have the Raiders in second, and I think that's Devontae Adams. See the numbers on the screen right there? He's number one, the best wide receiver in the game. And you don't have to worry about chemistry with Derek Carr at the quarterback position because Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, best friends. They are besties. They played together at Fresno State. There's a reason why Devontae Adams handpicked Vegas. We've been talking about this for 365 days. Derek Carr last year threw for nearly 5,000 yards. Derek Carr completed almost 70% of his passes. Derek Carr, you forget, led the Raiders in a tumultuous year with a lot of stuff going on with Ruggs and Gruden, among others. Led them to the postseason. Derek Carr is going to throw for over 5,000 yards. Derek Carr is going to be in the MVP conversation. The Raiders' offense is going to be phenomenal factor in Jacobs, the offensive line, and Renfro, and, you know, they had Waller at the tight end position. I think the Raiders, you know, that Charger game is going to be tough. You know, the Titans game is going to be tough, but they can certainly beat Tennessee. Go through the schedule. 
We did it. We added it up. I expect the Raiders to win 11 games. That's my number for the Raiders this season. They vastly improved with the head coach. Josh McDaniels is fantastic. He's amazing when it comes to calling plays. He's buttoned up, and obviously, Raiders were anything but one year ago. I think McDaniels learned from what happened now a lifetime ago in Denver. Defense is vastly improved. I love the Chandler Jones pickup. Team in with Max Crosby. They improved the defensive backfield as well. I'm telling you right now, 11 wins for the Raiders this season. And look, there you go. I mean, and I'm not just trying to bring that to the table because there was questions about it, but it just it was convenient that we actually had it on our rundown to play. And there's so many Adams that I'm I'm getting confused. We had a, Adam Rank on uh, the show last week from NFL Network. That was Adam Shine. So there's so many Adams, and there's Adam Schefter. We haven't had him on the show yet. But anyway, uh, that was just Adam Shine on his show talking about the Raiders. And look, he said I'm not picking them to win the the AFC West, but I'm picking them to win 11 games. Look, Raider Nation. 11 games is getting you in the playoffs. That's what I feel really confident about. 11 games gets you in the playoffs. And if you get 11 games and you don't make the playoffs, well, then you still had a hell of a run. I would not walk away from the season upset if the Raiders won 11 games and for some dumb reason didn't make the playoffs. I'm not saying it's set in stone that 11 is going to get you in, but I feel pretty confident that it would. So he just broke down every element of why the Raiders could win 11 games. And I don't disagree. And I've mentioned this before, and Vinny Bonsignor uh, on the morning tailgate, talked about the Raiders and their talent. You know, Adam Shine just went through all the talent that they have. They have a puncher's chance. They are competitive with every team in the league. They can they can square up talent-wise with every team in the league where they, before they couldn't do that, which is another credit to why they, you know, just to, to tip the cap to what they did last season getting to the playoffs when they didn't have the same talent as the teams that they were going up against. Hell, the Chargers, in my opinion, have more talent on paper, but the Raiders got it done on the field, which is all that matters. That's why we always say don't fall in love with what you see on paper. And that goes for the Raiders this year as well. And that's something that the, the players were trying to really, Devon, how would you say, like, kind of navigate with earlier today, right? When, when they were talking to us in the media, even though they know there's a lot of hype, they know they have a lot of talent, they kind of tried to downplay it a little bit not to get caught up in, in all the, well, there's so much talent, this team's got to be great, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of the feel that you got? Yes, exactly, and also not feeding into the expectations because a couple of guys, when they were asked that question, hey, how are you guys going to deal with the expectations for this season? Right. And it's always, hey, just got to block that out. We just got to show up, you know, play to the best of our abilities, nothing set in stone, given all those answers. But in previous years, they weren't being asked at the start of training camp the expectations, the high expectations right. for this coming season. No, not at all, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. You know, nobody – I know sitting in, in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center – uh, last season, before the season started, before the training camp got started, I, I know I wasn't asking about the burn in your belly to get back to the playoffs because the Raiders hadn't been to the playoffs, right? I wasn't asking that question. I asked that to, to John Simpson. Hey, you know, you got that burn. You're used to being at a winning program. You come to the Raiders. Now you, you got to the playoffs. You, you, you're hungry to get back. He's like, hell yeah. Losing in the first round of the playoffs sucked. Well, the Raiders didn't have that opportunity to say that before. So I think every guy to a T in that locker room knows what this team could possibly be. But they've got to put it together, and they're smart to just downplay it and do one day at a time, one brick by brick, just continue to build, continue to build, and continue to build. So, again, that was Adam Shine uh, from his show on CBS Sports just talking about uh, the Raiders and, and the expectations, and he has them at 11 wins, and I'm okay with that. 
I really am. Uh, the ESPY Awards, they're going on tonight. I kind of wanted to go through this and play a little game. And, Damon, it's going to be a little hard to pick your brain since I'm at my house, the home studio, and you're in the Intermount or the Intermount <laughs> Healthcare. You're in the <laughs> Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. But I had a couple questions that I want to throw out there. I still want to uh, hear from Max Crosby on the show as well. Uh, but I had a couple questions I want to throw out there to you. And, of course, anyone could feel free to chime in as well. I was going through the different categories for the ESPYs. And, obviously, every category does not pertain to the Raiders or pertain to a football team or, or the game of football in general. But I found some that I thought were good Good questions that I could throw out there and we could have a little bit of fun with. Again, the ESPYs are tonight hosted by Steph Curry on ESPN. So one of them, and you could just kind of say this off the top of your head, who do you think was the best breakthrough athlete for the Raiders? So basically best breakthrough player for the Raiders in 2021. I'm going to go chalk and is Max Crosby, is he eligible for this uh, category? It's, it's your, yeah, it's your, uh, it's, it's your answer. Max Crosby for me, because even though in Raider Nation everyone knew, like, hey, this guy's good. He had that 10-sack season a couple of seasons ago. This past season, it was the breakout from pretty good to star. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I put down uh, Hunter Renfro. My answer was Hunter mm, Renfro because he had 103 catches, 1,038 yards, and nine touchdowns. When all of a sudden he was thrown into the mix where he had to be the number one guy. Right. It was all of a sudden he had to be number one when Darren Waller went down and everyone and their mother knew that Hunter Renfro was going to be the guy that was getting targets. And he still was able to come up with big time catches, big time yards and a bunch of touchdowns. And, you know, they had Zay Jones. They had Deshaun Jackson. They had other guys, but they were just Jags, in my opinion, just other guys. Right. Hunter Renfro was special. So that was my breakthrough athlete. Hunter Renfro. Yours was Max Crosby, which is, again, there's no wrong answer. This is your opinion. That's why I could appreciate a conversation like that. Uh, again, in the, theory, in the spirit of the ESPYs, best record-breaking performance. Was there one performance that stood out to you in a major way? There's two in my mind that really stood out to me, uh, and I, I, I went with one of them, but there's two that I can remember that were just awesome performances. But can you think of one? Man, not record-breaking. Nothing that I can think of record-breaking. Okay. But if it's going to count, I'm going to say that last game of the season against the Chargers Week 17. Okay, was there a performance? Are you going to go with the whole team? Or are you going to go with, with a player? Yes, because off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who had such a stellar game that okay. it broke a record of any kind. I okay. just can't off the top of my head. No, I, and I respect that. And it's funny because the next category, I actually went to that, that, week, uh, that week 18 game uh, against the Chargers, the final game of the season. My best record-breaking performance, the one I can remember off the top of my head, uh, was week one. And I just went with Darren Waller, the, the 19 targets that he had, 10 catches for 105 yards and a touchdown, I just thought that that was a big-time tone setter, right? I mean, who expected the tight end, even though he's a stud in Darren Waller, to get 19 targets in week one? You know what I mean? And then the Raiders end up going into the overtime game and winning that one. But I picked Darren Waller as just a you know record-breaking performance. Again, it's not often that you see a, a player get 19 targets. I mean, that's, that's like a running back getting 19 carries. That was 19 targets. Now, of course, he didn't catch them all, but he had 10 catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. So that was, that was one that stood out to me. But I think that's, that's a difficult one, right? And so that leads me to the best championship performance. Hold on, Q, I've got one. Okay, go ahead. Derek Carr against – is that Philly there? 91% of 91% completion. Okay. All right. I like it. I had to go to the game logs real quick. I was no, like, that's what did a, someone do? And yeah. I was like, that's a rec that's a record for him personally. And I think um when the CBS Sports, when they put out the tweet, I think only like three or four quarterbacks have done that before when it comes to the amount of passes that he threw because he threw over 30. Well, there you go. And that that's probably a better one than even mine. So I like that. Uh you you have Derek Carr, and that was that what week? What was that? Week four? That was right before the bye week. The that was Philadelphia week seven. game. 
The Eagle game? Yeah, week seven. The Eagle game was week seven. I thought the Eagles were right before the bye week. No, I'm looking at it. Yeah, they were right before the Giants. Yeah, the Giants were the game coming out of the bye week. Yeah, so that was the game right before the bye, but that was week um that was week seven. No way. It couldn't have been week seven. The Raiders were I don't think it I don't I don't remember it being week seven. I could be wrong, but I don't right, well, hold on real quick. Baltimore yeah. win. Yes. Miami win. Yes. Then the next game was a loss. Chicago. Right? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so it was what, week five? Yeah, somewhere around there, right? Okay. Before the okay. Okay. It wasn't even week five. It was week four. And then week five was the bye week, and then we all know all the wheels fell off in the bye week, and then the, the Giants were coming out of the bye, and that was uh, L, and we all know how that went down. So, yeah, there you go. So you're, you're all right. You're all right. You were in the, in, the, in the right neighborhood. You were just on the wrong, uh, wrong end of the street. That's all, or wrong side of the street, but <laughs> you're in the right neighborhood. All right, so – Best championship performance. Now, you mentioned the Week 18 game against the Chargers. This is where I went because that game meant so much. I went best championship performance. I went with Josh Jacobs Week 18 versus the Chargers. He had 26 carries, 132 yards, a touchdown. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry, and the Raiders needed every one of those 132 yards from Josh Jacobs. That was the the biggest uh, work total that he had in a game as far as carries with 26 and it came at the time that the Raiders needed the most that four game stretch where they won every one of them to uh, push themselves into the to the playoffs including winning that game against the Chargers uh, in overtime they they needed Josh Jacobs in a major way and he came through in the clutch so I went with best championship performance right there Josh Jacobs week 18 I'm gonna go with Daniel Carlson Ooh, because I, someone that's I not like going to that. get a lot of love when people yeah. say who was vital to the team. Yeah, but hey, man, if he doesn't make it, who knows? Okay, you know, just you know, the kickers—they are important. Where this guy only missed three field goals all season. No facts; they're definitely important. And of course, Daniel Carlson had an outstanding season, and I have him in one of these categories as well. That just was not it. But that's that's a good one. Again, like I said, there's no wrong answers. It's just healthy conversation. This one's a good one because. I projected this one for this upcoming year, not 2021. Best comeback athlete. Who do you have best comeback athlete? Man, now I'm trying to think of who was someone that maybe was injured that still came back for the Raiders this past season. I can't think of anyone. Maybe that, if you give an answer, then I could hear you. I'm trying to think of somebody. Okay, well, pick? again, I'm projecting this one for this upcoming season. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm going with Darren Waller. I think that he comes back strong. I think he comes back 100% healthy. I think that now that he doesn't have uh, d- double coverage, triple coverage on him, he's not the guy that everyone's paying attention to because the Raiders have Devontae Adams, because they have Hunter Renfro, uh, because they have o- more weapons. I think that Darren Waller has just a, a, a big-time a big time season. I feel like that he has the opportunity to have a big-time season uh, this year for the Silver and Black. And so I can't give the big the comeback athlete for this, for 2021, but I could project it for 2022. Okay, so if we're projecting, I'm going to go Kenyon Drake. Oh, okay. I like it. See? There you go. That's a good one. Guy that was out there hitting some dingers uh, at the Las Vegas ballpark on Monday for Battle for Vegas. Uh, he, I'm telling you, 
Uh, and this is why I like being around these guys and, and being able to kind of read their body language. It's not always about talking to guys, but he looked like he was in a good place. He really did. And I, I don't know if he's going to be out there on the practice field tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to start him off slow, if he's going to end up hitting the, the pup list just to, to be cautionary. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not too sure with Kenyon Drake. I've had many questions about him this offseason, but seeing him on Monday at the ballpark, just in a good place, talking to his teammates, you know, just out there having a good time. He just looked like a guy that was ready to have a big comeback year, just like you mentioned right there. So that I think that's an excellent one. That might that's probably better than the one I picked in Darren Waller, who missed you know a chunk of, of games last season. Uh, but I'm expecting him to be healthy and have a have a big time year as well. So there you go. I picked Darren Waller. You picked Kenyon Drake. All right, moving on. Best play, and this is tough. What was the best play in your opinion for the Raiders in the 2021 season? Whoo, <laughs> man! I want—I don't want to be um, cliche and go the um, touchdown to Zay Jones at the beginning. Uh, you know what? That shoelace with Hunter Renfro, where he gets, where it's almost like that he got tagged. Did they bring that one back, or did they let that stand as a touchdown against the Colts? I um, think they called him down, but like he catches it, gets back up, but just like the quickness and agility, just one of those football plays. For the Colts, but I don't know if they brought that bet to touchdown back or not. But also, speaking of Hunter and Renfro, he's still going to get the play for me. Him on special teams on yes. the fake punt from the Chargers, yes. where he goes and blows the guy up, where they yep. go for the fake pass. So yes. Hunter Renfro either way for me. No, I, I I agree, and it's funny because you at first mentioned the the walk off. Uh, from Derek Carr to Zay Jones, and that's what I had written down. Week one, Derek Carr touchdown passes Zay Jones to walk it off Monday night football. But then as soon as you said Hunter Renfro, I didn't think of the Colts game. I thought of that that play against the Chargers where he blew blew the guy up on the fake punt, and it was looked like it was going to be a super successful play, and Hunter Renfro came in to save the day. I think that that, no doubt about it, is the best play. I think that you – and it's not even close, right? I mean, I think the walk off to Zay Jones was great, but – it's not even close compared to the one that you mentioned. So uh, that's a, definitely a point for you. That's a great one. And I think that all of Raider Nation would agree as well uh, that that was probably the best play of the 2022 season. That's the one that should stand out the most. And I'm actually surprised that I didn't think of that first. But uh, good one, Damon. That's a, that's a great one. So, again, we're just kind of going through some of these categories, a little SB style here. And feel free to chime in, 702-365-9200. If you have something that pops in your mind or you have a player that pops in your mind in any of these categories, you can always let us know. And, of course, the Sam and Ash text line as well, 69187, keyword R&R. Here you go. Here's a tough one. Biggest clutch player or most clutch player on the Raiders in 2021. Who do you got? Or do you want me to go? Oh, no, I'm going. I already got my answer. <laughs> go Derek ahead. Carr. Okay. Okay. That's funny. That's a good one. And, look, Derek Carr, all the multiple come from behind victories that he did. I even thought he was going to come from behind and win that game, that playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, when Carr is close, I say it all the time, if Carr is close, he's going to get you a dub. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. I feel very confident. Like, you know when, when your, your nerves are kind of on the edge and your heart's pounding? When Derek Carr is close and he's got the ball, I, I don't even get nervous. I just And I wasn't nervous. And, DeMond, you were standing right next to me at the M Resort watching that playoff game. I kept saying, oh, this the Raiders got this. <laughs> I was as cool as the other side of the pillow. Now, I was wrong, but I was as cool as the other side of the pillow because I just knew D.C. had that covered. So I, I have that written. I, have a, I cheated on this one. I went, I went two, two players on this one just because I think that we have to tip the cap as well. So I had Derek Carr, and I wrote multiple come-from-behind victories, and then – I went with Daniel Carlson, how you mentioned him earlier. I, look, six for seven on 50-plus yard field goal attempts. 
six out of seven on 50-plus-yard field goal attempts. They don't get much clutcher than that, right? I mean, that's that's clutch to a third degree or a higher, whatever degree you want to put it at. That, that clutch gene is right there in Daniel Carlson hitting those 50-plus-yarders, including let's go back to week one. We talked about Derek Carr to Zay Jones in week one, the walk-off in overtime. They don't get to overtime if it's not for Daniel Carlson hitting that long field goal. Remember that long field goal that all of a sudden it looked like the Ravens were going to win that, that game? Carr put him in great position. Carlson hustled out there and, boom, kicked that ball. And I remember being in the press box thinking, oh, they're about to lose this game. As soon as he kicked that, that ball, I was like, oh, my gosh, he made it. <laughs> he made that. And I, I can't remember. I want to say it was 55 yards that week one. That was a big-time kick right there from Daniel Carlson. But to make six out of seven – 50 yarders or more, and his long for the season was 56. I look at kicks, and I used to look at kickers where it's like once you get to the 40-yard range, I used to think, well, nothing's guaranteed. Man, the way these field goal kickers now, their legs are so strong, it's almost like until you get to a 50-yarder, it feels like these, these kicks are pretty good, right? When you get to 50 yards, then it's like, all right, nothing's guaranteed. This is a long kick, but – the, the way that you see some of these guys kicking the ball, especially Daniel Carlson, it's almost like it's almost like a layup when it's 40 yards or, you know, a little bit further than 40 yards. But 50 yards, it's a different ball game. So uh, I went with Carlson and Derek Carr uh, kind of split those two up as far as the most clutch player, SB style. And the final one, final category, then we'll take a break. Best game of the 2021 season, and I don't think it's going to be even close. <laughs> yeah, it's the runaway winner right there. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to be close. But that's that's why that was the, the finale. I don't really have a lot of explanation I need for that one. Damon, I think both of, me and you can both agree it was that Week 18 victory over the Chargers. Best game I've ever been to. There like, you hands go. Hands down. <laughs> like, that's all I got to say. There you go. There you go. That's that's. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, right? That was no doubt. There was so much energy in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the place was going crazy. Uh, Lil John was performing. Uh, it was just. It was nuts, man. That whole building, that whole atmosphere for that game, even leading up to the game. Not. I mean, before kickoff even happened, just knowing what was on the line was amazing. It was just. It was incredible. Such a a, a fun atmosphere, and that is something that. People talk about the home field advantage for the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. If you have a few more games like that, you know who's going to be packing the gills of the stadium? Raider Nation. Because Raider Nation is going to say, man, you remember what they did week 18? Oh, they're going to do this? They could do that? Oh, man, yeah, we're going to definitely be there. We're not selling our tickets to, you know, a Charger fan, a Chiefs fan, a Colts fan, or whoever's rolling in. We ain't selling our tickets. We want to go see that show that they're going to put on at Allegiant Stadium. But for the Raiders to do that, they're going to have to continue to win games. And I think they're going to have to continue to have an outstanding roster and team like they have this year, what it looks like they're going to have this year. Can you imagine the anticipation for that Week 2 game against the Arizona Cardinals, the first home game of the 2022 season for the Raiders? You think that place ain't going to be packed to the gills with, uh, with Raider Nation with anticipation of what this season could be? They, the, the city of Las Vegas needed that Week 18 game by the Raiders. They needed to see what it was like to get that feel that people like Just Win Wendy and many others, Gangster Raider who's seen the magic in L.A., Just Win Wendy seen the magic in, uh, in Oakland. I've seen the magic in Oakland. So many, so many faithful Raider Nation fans that, that go you know, to all the games have seen that magic happen at different stadiums, either Coliseum, now at Allegiant Stadium. There, there had to be that moment where you saw something like, whoa, that was awesome. Get that awesome feel, and now you're going to want to continuously go to games. That's what the Raiders in Las Vegas are going to have to do more of, win games that are just give you that feeling of, 
oh, man, do you remember, remember where you were when that game? People still talk about that Week 18 game. Like, nationally, people still talk about that Week 18 game. That's how big it was. Uh, got a couple – a couple text messages that we want to get to real quick on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, Q, keyword R&R. Q and DeMond, Fargo Raider here. Week one is up there, though. Hell of a game. Just win, baby. No doubt. Uh, got a text from the 408. How about that Jalen Richard draw play to pick up that impossible third down to keep the Raiders alive against the Chargers as play of the year? That's a great point. What was that, third and 17? I think I got a tweet about that as well. Yeah, Bill. Bill hit me up on Twitter. Third and 17, Jalen Richard. Got it. Big play. There you go. Uh, and then, uh, and then Bill also doubled down and said the timeout that the Chargers coach called <laughs> that was uh, that was the play of the year as well. So I like that one. Um, then another text from the seven hundred seven. They did call Hunter Renfro down against the Colts. That was going back to your text, or your uh, your question that you had, Demon. Uh, that was a good one. Mailman Raiders said last year for comeback player, how about Perriman? He came through an injury riddled career and gets to a Pro Bowl. Boom! That's a good one for twenty twenty one. That's a really good one. I like that. Denzel Perryman for comeback player of the year after having an a injury-riddled, injury-riddled uh, career and uh, was able to get to the Pro Bowl. I thought that that was big time as well. So, Mailman Raider, we definitely appreciate that. Let's take one quick call, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Anthony, is that Anthony in Minnesota we got? Yep, yep. Anthony, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, guys. Thanks a lot. Hey, you just mentioned what I want to talk about. That Hunter Renfro catch was awesome, man. I remember he caught that ball. And he was going down, but the, and the guy just caught him on the instant replay slow-mo. I think with like one finger. And uh, but I thought to myself, what an NFL man, what a play. But I want to tell you about um, that game in San Diego. I had friends over at my house in Minnesota. I mentioned it before. Probably 12 or 13 people, and three or four of my friends are diehard Raider fans. And I'm originally from Oakland, the Bay Area. And I had about four or five friends there that weren't football fans at all. A little bit worried about the game and whatever, but hey, that game right there turned in three or four of my friends from Minnesota into Raider fans. And I want to say one last thing. I do remember the Raiders in Oakland, and we have become that team. I'm hoping, I, I really think we're there like we used to be. The Raiders of old, when I went to games in Oakland, that fog would be rolling in, man. And we'd be down by like four. There's six minutes to go. And Staber, you know, whoever's driving, I'm not, not Staber, but yeah, they're driving down there. They'll score a touchdown, right? And all of a sudden, there's four minutes to go and we're up by three or four, and that chant comes out, Raiders, like 50-something thousand fans, and you knew you had it. <laughs> That's the way I felt last year, the last half yeah. of the season. So let's do it. Go Raiders! Hey, great call, my man. Appreciate you. That's Anthony in Minnesota chiming in, uh, talking about that game and talking about plays, and uh, love it, man. SB style. As the SBs go down tonight, Steph Curry is going to be the host on ESPN. You can check it out. One quick text. Gangster Raiders said to me, the best game was the Cowgirls game on Turkey Day. We had just lost to Washington or Cincy, and I predicted that we would win in Dallas and go on a streak. And if we didn't win that Dallas game, we wouldn't have had a chance to make the playoffs in Week 18. Think about it. That's Gangster Raider. And, yeah, that was a big win, man. That was a big win on, on Thanksgiving in Dallas. I was there at the game. Uh, you know, there was a lot of – I had a lot of family and friends that were there that were from Texas, and uh, they were talking a little bit noise about the, about the Raiders and talking about the Cowboys going to put a whooping on them. And, you know, the Raiders went into their stadium – on their day, they play every single Thanksgiving. They went in there and they uh, they took their they took their lunch meat, right? They took it from them and uh, walked away with the victory and left people in the DFW angry at one Dakota Rain Prescott, aka Dak Prescott. They were not happy with Dak. Man, he was everything under the sun that 
man, he was the worst thing ever, right? <laughs> People were talking so bad about him, turning on radio and listening to all the calls that were coming in on the postgame show. I thought, man, oh, man, I thought Raider Nation got angry when the, when the Raiders lost. Uh, the Dallas fans were really fired up, and Dak Prescott could do nothing right as that day went. So that was a big win, man, for the Raiders over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, obviously in the DF-Dub. 428 is the time. When we come back, you'll hear from Max Crosby. He uh, met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. You'll hear that conversation next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. Had a lot that we've gotten to. On today's show, we've been super busy on the show, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to chime in our SB conversation that we had, feel free. 702-365-9200. Also, our Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword r The categories that I had, best breakthrough athlete, basically best breakthrough player, best record-breaking performance, best championship performance, kind of the same thing, comeback player of the year, I projected for next year in Darren Waller, but we had a text from the Mailman Raider that picked Denzel Perryman. Best play, biggest play of the 2021 season, best clutch player, and best game. Those are the categories that we have for our own little Raiders edition of the ESPYs as they will be uh, on tonight. Steph Curry is going to host them. And uh, I always like the ESPY awards. Um, I used to always like tuning in and seeing my guy, Stuart Scott. That was one of my my uh, inspirations when I was coming up as a, as a young dude. I always liked to watch Stuart Scott. And so I remember uh, all the ESPYs that he was on. And the, the very last one that he was on where he won uh, the, I believe it was the, what, Dickie V Award? Uh, or no, it wasn't that. It was It was – the award as he was fighting cancer, and uh, eventually he ended up losing that battle with cancer. Uh, and, of course, Dickie V will talk about that tonight on the ESPYs as well as he's been uh, having his own battle. And uh, we always pray for those and, and fear for – not fear, but care for all those families out there that uh, have loved ones that have, you know, are battling with cancer or have lost the, the battle with cancer because I think everyone knows at least a handful of people that have had to deal with that. And it just sucks. So uh, definitely want to show that love to everyone that could be currently dealing with that or has had to deal with that in the past so uh feel free to hit us up and give us your uh sp thoughts as far as the raiders go at 69187 keyword r and r now one of the guys that we met with earlier today at the intermountain healthcare performance center raiders hq and we'll be back out there early tomorrow uh for some more media sessions and actually get to see some activity some practice going on on the field out there uh was max crosby and uh here's that conversation we had with mad max crosby one of the leaders on that raiders defense Uh, going into year four, um, a lot has changed in this organization. Uh, the talent level in that room is much higher than it was when you first got here. Do you feel a different buzz uh, about this team with the expectations, especially coming off the playoff uh, appearance last year? Um, you know, the thing I've learned in this league is never get too high and never too low. Um, we have obviously a ton of great talent um, on both sides of the ball, um, but at the end of the day, um, it's a one-day-at-a-time approach. Uh, we got a ton of work to do. Last year was last year. Next year is next year. But we got to stay in the present and just get just get better one day at a time. Max, what have been your, your first impressions? You know, working with defensive line coach Frank Ocampo so far. Um, he's been awesome. You know, it's it's cool. We have a good collective. You know, with Frank and Robbo and uh, Matt Edwards. You know, we have a, a big group and everybody's working together to achieve a similar goal. You know, we want to be the best, um, and we're working to be there every single day. I think uh, last year when you made the Pro Bowl, you made some comment like you weren't even sure if you should expect it because you only had eight sacks or something like that. I think we've moved past the point where we know that 
uh, sacks aren't the be-all, end-all show. What, what a great year you had. But does that mean something to you? Do you want to have a bit bigger sack total going forward? Um, that doesn't matter to me. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's what you put on film. Um, when you turn on the film, nothing you can't hide. You know that that shows who the best is and who isn't. So at the end of the day, um, regardless of my numbers, um, it doesn't matter to me. I just got to make as much. You know, I know what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. And you know, Coach Marinelli used to tell me that all the time. You know, it doesn't matter what numbers you get. You can have zero sacks, but your film is what's going to stand out. And that's what the coaches will realize. That's what the players will realize. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. So opinions are opinions and all that, but um, it's all about the film to me. So no matter what it is, I just got to be at my best um, every single play. Max, this staff does a lot of teaching in the classroom. That's They're big on that. Are you enjoying that a little bit more, getting more in the classroom time? Yeah, you know, it's been awesome. You know, I, Every coach is different. You know, everybody has their own approaches all the way from high school to now. You know, every coach is, has a different philosophy, uh, different philosophy, but it's all it's all football at the end of the day. So I enjoy it. Um, we have we have a great group. You know, our our room alone, you know, we just have a great energy in there. You know, Rob Ryan's in there cracking jokes and um, also is a, is a great teacher at the same time. And you got to have both, you know, both. You got to have fun with it. You know, at the end of the day, it's a game um, and we're all in it together, man. We spend hours and hours every single day um you know so you just got to keep learning and get better last year you and unique pushed each other back and forth all, all season long how do you anticipate you and chandler doing the same thing yeah you know uh last year you know coming into the camp it was a uh, it was a little bit different you know uh you know Jan, me and Jan had a great connection um and you know this year it's 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 the same thing you know me and chandler we have an awesome connection i've known him for years so um you know, I'm super excited. This offseason being with him was, was incredible. You know, I try to push him every day. He tries to push me. So um, we just look forward to doing that every single day. You know, no matter what, just finding new things to get better at um, and keep picking each other's brains and lift up, you know, everybody around us. Max, since this team made the playoffs last year, there's been a lot of expectations. New coach, big ticket players brought in like Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. How is the locker room <coughs> handling the expectations and kind of raising the bar as this year looms ahead? Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, all that stuff is great. You know, Devontae is incredible. He's a great teammate, great player. Chandler, all these guys, it's all the same. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, preseason hype is preseason hype. There's always going to be teams that get hyped up and things like that. But for us, you know, we got to show up and, and do the groundwork. We got to do the footwork every single day or we're not going to get to where we want to be. So, um at the end of the day, we're just trying to work to get better as a collective. Um, I think we have the people to do it. We have great coaches, great players. Um, we just got to keep working to get better as a unit every single day. At this stage of your career, are, are there still nerves and anxiousness and excitement uh, on the eve of training camp? Oh, of course. Of course. You know, last night I'm watching Last Dance like I did last year before camp and the year before. It's the same thing. So, uh, yeah, just get try to get my mind to a different place, you know, because once you start training camp, it's a uh, – you got to be in a different place mentally. It's it, you know it's here now, uh, so it's super exciting. Uh, every single year is it's always a new challenge, new you know new goals, new things going on. But it's football at the end of the day, so you know there's nothing nothing more I'd rather be doing on earth. So we're fired up. One thing here, one thing here about this the staff. It seems like all through OTAs and so forth was the word accountability. You talk about the accountability uh, and maybe an example of, of, of how important that is to this team. Absolutely. You know, um, at the end of the day, there's a standard um, and that starts, you know, with your individual group, you know, the defense as a whole, the offense, everything. 
Um, so being accountable for your group, you know, there's got to be people who set the standard um, every single day. And, um, you know, personally, I try to be one of those guys that, all right, if we're running, we're doing conditioning tests, we're doing, you know, whatever, I'm always try to max out in everything I do and try to elevate everybody around me. And we got to have a bunch of guys that do the same, you know, and I feel like we do. You know, Chandler's another guy like that. He's 32 years old. He was here at every single OTA, and you don't see that. You know, you don't see that often, and that's rare. Devontae Adams, same thing. He was here all offseason. The dude is the best receiver in football. So um, Derek Carr, same thing. Dude's going into year nine, and he's here every single day. So, yeah, you know, we have great leadership on this team. We have a ton of guys that have done it at a high level. Um and the more people we get like that, the more leaders that come into it. Nate Hobbs, a guy who's been, you know, working his tail off and, and getting better every single day, um, that's going to attribute, you know, to getting this team better. And uh, I think we're definitely going in the right direction. You mentioned off season. I mean, did you have an off season? You said you were working with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Shamaya, what are you going with? I love it. Um, I'll I'll answer your first one first. You know, uh, I always take a little break after the season. Um, you know, obviously it's a ton, you know, a ton that goes into this. Um, but 11, 11 months out of the 12, I'm, I'm training and in football mode. So um, I have a teammate, um, you know, Duran, he was, he was telling me about it. You know, I'm asking him, like, how does, how does Brady work? And what, is, what are the things he does that's been able to do it for so long? And he said, when Brady, when he first got to New England, Brady told him there's no such thing as an offseason. So uh, for me, that's, that's kind of been my approach is just, no matter what, even if I'm not, you know, after the Bengals game, I still, you know, for me, it was like, okay, there's a lot of guys that go on vacation for a month and eat whatever, and then you have to cut weight and do that. Like, for me, I I was still doing my normal routine, still meal prepping, still doing that, because that's what the great ones do. So, for me, if I do that and show the younger guys that I'm doing this, and if I can do it, and, you know, I've had success, I've got a, you know, a second deal and things like that, if I could show a guy who's in his first or second year, like, this is what it's supposed to be like and inspire others to do it. I feel like it's going to help the team. So to answer your question, um, I don't, I don't really think there's an off season when, you know, you're trying to be the best at what you do. And then second, uh, you already know the answer. Nate Diaz all day, baby. <laughs> you, you've implemented some MMA working, um, MMA work, uh, into your routine. How does that help? And is there some, uh, transition or ways that as a defensive uh, lineman, uh, you could utilize some of those skills? Yeah, you know, this offseason, this is the first time, like, I really um, – it was mostly boxing. You know, I've, I've, I've worked boxing all, all offseason and implemented that into my training. Um, you know, I felt like last offseason was, was really good for me, but there was certain things I wanted to take to another level, like just simple as getting up earlier and being here earlier. Um, and then on off days, not just getting in the tubs and then going home, I'm going to do boxing. I'm going to do some core and just, just add little things into my routine. And that's, that's what I've been doing. And I think boxing, you know, is incredible, you know, when it comes to timing, speed, conditioning, um, all those things, movement. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's definitely going to help, you know, going into this season. Max, I know you worked with uh, Eric over at Extreme Couture MMA. Yeah. Showing working pads and things like that. Has that training, the MMA training at all, kind of inspired you to do more like that during the offseason to kind of prepare yourself? Yeah, you know, I know Eric. I know, uh, you know the guys at Syndicate and all them. You know, all just being in the gym, seeing those guys. Like last offseason, I got to see Strickland and him, like those guys spar and everything like that. Just like being in that presence. Like I know, I, I feel like I'm – you know, a hard worker and everything like that. But you go in there and watch these guys train like it's different. You know, they they push themselves every single day. So, like, that inspires me. Just being around them and, and seeing how they work, um, you know, makes me try to, le- you know, 
pick up my level of intensity and pick up my training. So I know there's always more you can do, and that's always going to be my approach. Um, it's another, you know, Rod Marinelli thing. He's just like improve, and there's more. Like even when things are going good, everything's are going bad. You, there's always more you can do. So that's kind of my approach. So seeing those MMA guys, this, they go through. Sorry, excuse my language. Um, the things they go through, um, <laughs> the things they go through is incredible. They beat each other up. They're getting beaten up all the time. They ch- have long training camps. Um, and they still are going and working and working and working. So, yeah, I just love, like, that mentality, um, getting to actually work with them and working with boxers and things like that. Um, I think it's, you know, just as important on the mental side, you know, just putting that into my game, you know, taking me to, to another, you know, level. Two more. Two okay. Uh, I, I know you're such a student of, of pass rushing and just your position in general. You said you watched Chandler for years. Now you've seen him up close a little bit. What, like, small detail does he do so well on the field that impresses you that, you know, maybe a more novice might not notice? Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but Chandler's just – the reason why I like – like, even in college, like, I always – you know, people would ask me, who, what pass rushers do you look up to and things? I always, Chandler was one of those guys that I looked up to just because of his, like, unorthodox approach. And, like, seeing it on film is one thing. Then when you see him on the field, just, like, talk about it and explain what he's thinking about when he's, like, moving. And then you see him move. He's so long and bendy. And he's just a different, one-of-a-kind type of, type of rusher and talent, you know, like, being around that, I don't even have to say anything. I just literally sit there and listen because it's like it's such a different approach, like the way he thinks about it. But that's what makes him great. And so, um, you know, just being around him and just soaking up that information is is incredible. And um, you know, he definitely inspires me every day to have you know do the things he's done, win a Super Bowl, hundred plus sacks. Like he sets the standard. He's been doing it for years and years. And he, you know, he's somebody I definitely look up to, and I I can't wait to get out there with him. I know it's still a couple of weeks away, but you mentioned after you signed your contract extension, you wanted to be a Hall of Famer. You had a lot of goals in your life. Yeah. You went out to the Hall of Fame. What is that going to mean to you to be able to see it, you know, soak it in, and also celebrate Cliff Branch? Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's it's huge. You know, I've never been there before, um, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's no no more talking. You know, I just got to go and do do what I do on a daily basis. And um, you know, down the road, we could look back and. You know, see where I'm at, but um, it's definitely a big inspiration. Obviously, Cliff Branch, you know, him being a Hall of Famer, it's incredible. Mark is going to be the one, you know, Mr. Davis is going to be the one introducing and doing the whole, you know, breakdown and everything. So I know he's fired up about that. Um, but it's just going to be a big day for the Raiders, man. We have so many great Hall of Famers and getting to celebrate Cliff and, and the Raider organization is going to be a lot of fun. There he is right there. That's Max Crosby. He was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, earlier meeting with the media. Uh, we heard from Raiders offensive lineman John Simpson earlier in the show. Also wide receiver Hunter Renfro met with the media and linebacker Denzel Perryman. Been hearing a lot from Denzel Perryman a lot lately. Uh, saw him at the game on Monday. He, had, he was on the show with us, hyping up the game, the battle for Vegas, and uh, he met with us earlier today as well. We'll be back out tomorrow at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. 4.47 is the time. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, close out the show this is radio nation radio 920 welcome back to unnecessary roughness here's your boy q very fun day we had gonna continue to have a lot of fun a lot of activities tomorrow be at the intermountain healthcare performance center raiders hq really early Really early, like 7.30 in the morning we'll be there and be there throughout the course of the day. Uh, looking forward to that. Then, of course, the players are going to be practicing. We'll be out there for that. We'll be able to provide some 
sights and sounds of that for our little uh, period of time where we're able to actually film and, and tweet some some pictures out or some videos out, so we'll do the best that we can to get that. So make sure you're checking out at R&R 920 AM. That's Raider Nation Radio 920's Twitter account, at your boy Q254, at Demond underscore the boss. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor has his Twitter account as well. I mean, we're all going to be out there and uh, really be all over it. So uh, we're going to continue to bro- provide you as much coverage as possible as we ramp up and lead up to uh, the first preseason game, which is the Hall of Fame game, August 4th in Canton, Ohio. Got a text message here at the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Listening to today's players' interviews, and especially Max's, it's astonishing how hyper-focused these guys sound now that it's day one of training camp and day one of the new season. Time to focus up and get amped, Raider Nation. Raid, Raider or die, Raiders. That's from Geese Mode. Thank you for that text, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And look, that's the thing. These guys, they are, like you said, they're super hyper-focused, uh, but they're they're doing it in a way where they're, you know, not hyper-ventilating. You know when you get so fired up and excited? Have you ever done something where you were so pumped up to do it that you it almost like took your breath away? You know, I mean, and, and that could happen. You know, I, I know that there's been times where I've been so excited about something that I just, it was like a bad result because I was just too fired up and too excited about it, and I had to find a way to calm my nerves and get the you know, get the, the little middle even, the little middle ground out. And that's what I think that the Raiders are really doing, and you, you heard that in, the, in the, the interviews that you heard today. It was really a sense of excitement but a sense of calm at the same time. You know, and Max talking about he was watching the last dance like he did last year and the year before. I mean, that's just his tradition, you know, leading into the start of training camp because he knows what time it is, you know. And uh, all these guys, even when we talked to Harry Douglas yesterday, former NFL player, you know, hey, what does it feel like when you're you're on the eave of, of reporting to training camp? He's like, man, you kiss the kiss the wife, kiss the kids, and tell them you'll see them in February or whenever the season's over, you know. It's just uh, whatever you got going on, you you realize that it's football season now. It's time to get back on that grind. But it's also a really cool time for these guys to bond and build and know that they're going to be around each other all the time. You know, and a lot of these guys, and I think that's the beauty of having the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center being right here, you know, they, they can they can show up to, to the facility and put in the work that they have to put in, and, and a lot of them stay on a, you know, a routine. Like we heard Max Crosby say that basically he's training 11 months out of the year. There is no offseason. The greats, they don't have offseasons. There is no quit. Perfect example is – Perfect example is, uh, you know, I was in the barbershop on Saturday, and one of the guys said, hey, man, you guys are going to start talking some Raider football again because, uh, you know, it's training camp coming up. I was like, we ain't stopped. There is no quit. There's no offseason. It's just go, go, go. That's what we do. And, you know, that's that's the same as these players. They really don't take that break. They don't take that downtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to miss some time. You're going to have vacation time. But for the most part, man, you stay on that grind, and that's how you stay at the top of your game. And that's what these players are doing. So it looks like and it seems like they're all excited to be there. Uh, I was very encouraged by what I heard from guys like John Simpson, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, Max Crosby, and Denzel Perryman. It just seems like everyone's excited and happy for what they have coming up. And we'll see, you know, what the excitement level is like when they're on the field tomorrow. Uh, but we'll bring, we'll provide it for you. We'll give you all the sounds and all the details. Make sure you're waking up with the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, they'll bring you all the goods. They'll give you all the details. And, of course, JT the Brick and myself will close things out and we'll be live from Raiders HQ. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Good night. Good night.